Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. It's me, Liz Loza, and it is Thursday, which means I am joined by Dalton Del Don. Dalton, we haven't chatted since Thanksgiving. I don't really care about your side dish power rankings because we covered that with Scott and Matt on Sunday night show, but I am interested to know if you did any Black Friday shopping or got any good deals. You know, I do not have a cool story whatsoever. I said I was going to go on the internet, do the cyber thing, but I did not. Oh, the cyber thing. Would you like to clarify yeah. that? I just, you know, uh, shopping when I don't have to leave the house. I told you I don't like to deal with people. They're, they're the absolute worst. So that, <laughs> that's what I would have done, you know, see it online. But I actually didn't even go that far. What about yourself, Liz? I did a lot of online shopping like you. Well, people don't understand that we work over the holidays. Like it's not like, oh, it's fun family time. Yes, there is some of that in that we're not in the office, but we still have to be aware of what's going on. And obviously we work on Sundays. So there wasn't this giant time off. I don't have time with two little ones similarly aged to yours to go wait in line for some flipping TV at a Best Buy. So I did all of my holiday shopping frantically online, mostly so I could just check it off my list as one less thing to do. I sound like an old man calling it cyber shopping, not online. Yeah, you sure shopping, do. But yeah, that's that's bad. But um, no, speaking of old, uh, <laughs> my, my, my mom turned 75 years old tomorrow. So shout out to my mom, which uh, shout out to her and... Thank you. Thank you very much. And also, uh, get this, I already have a, an appointment set up to take the kids to see Santa tomorrow, Liz. Uh, so not totally looking forward to that. But I guess an appointment means no line, hopefully. But seems a little early to yeah, me. What, but, kind uh, what, what, bougie, what, what kind of bougie neighborhood are you living in that you can make an appointment with Santa? This is some white glove yeah. stuff. Yeah, if only we knew what the neighborhood I live in versus you guys in LA, but it's funny to say that. But anyway, yes, so that's that's what I got going on here. What what about yourself? Um, well, here's a hot tip for any parents of young kids out there who need to see Santa. We go to the zoo because there is a Santa at the zoo and there is no line, maybe a line of like two minutes, and then we also have time to kill watching animals and stuff afterwards. Is he human? Is is Santa Is Santa human at the zoo? Yeah. Stressed up. We go every okay. year to see Santa. The kids think Santa lives at the Los Angeles Zoo, and then we go look at some giraffes. And they got reindeer this time of year. It's, <laughs> um, but we haven't filed an appointment with Santa because I guess <laughs> maybe we need to be nicer. And we can get one of those. Yeah, come on, come on, man. Don't be a plebeian. Come on, you got to have an appointment. A plebeian. Come on, get with it. Yeah, I have an app. On. I just get I just book Santa to come on an app. He just comes. It's like Uber or, or Lyft or Postmates. What kind of Santa are you getting through an app, friend? I, I'm not. I don't care. That's a creepy that. Santa. Christmas. 
<laughs> um, all right. So enough about the holidays. There'll be plenty more weeks of that ahead of time. Let's talk about week 13. Andy Dalton, who looks elfin in some ways, perhaps, right? I mean, I feel like elves have red hair. This is holiday-esque. Sure. Er- <laughs> Sure. Just producer Brett has now chimed in twice, which means the episode is off to a smashing start. Anyway, let's start with uh, Andy Dalton because he is on the IR out for the rest of the season with a thumb injury. Oh, no. All my fantasy dreams are dashed. Jeff Driscoll, the savior, is in. Let's talk about how this um, impacts the Bengals. Obviously, I'm being facetious. If you are playing for the playoffs in week 13, then you probably didn't roster Andy Dalton, but you might have some other players like, oh, I don't know, A.J. Green. He's going to be back this week against the Broncos. You think that's a good thing, but obviously the the change under center and a potential chemistry issue might be of concern. I don't know how worried about it I am, frankly, Dalton. What about you? So, yeah, a couple down things. Obviously, the backup quarterback coming off a toe injury, and it's unclear how close to 100% A.J. Green is. But from a pure matchup basis, mm-hmm. Bradley Roby, Bradley Roby has been getting toasted. I mean, Denver's actually allowed the most fantasy points to Green's primary side over the last eight weeks. So, so you count that in. I have him as my wide receiver, fourteen. You know, factoring in the layoff, the injury. I hear you about the quarterback situation. It's not like Andy Dalton's some some star. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm still firing up A.J. Green, assuming he's active. I have him as my wide receiver 16, so we're in a similar place. I think Jeff Driscoll might be a little bit more exciting to watch. He does have a scrambling ability. I think his arm strength is probably superior to Andy Dalton's. Also, we've seen a plenty of times where this new quarterback, where there's not a ton of tape on, surprises opposing defenses, and anyone who's playing you know, the Denver defense thinking they're going to get something great against Jeff Driscoll, though their D-line has come on over the past few weeks, Von Miller sacking more fools on a more regular basis. So that that's good. I, I still think that I'm more excited to watch the Bengals with draft, Jeff DeDriscoll under center. Sure. And I also think his you know kind of rushing ability can help mix in out some. So let's talk about the running back. I have him ranked as my RB13. He just closed his fourth outing of over 100 yards. And that was obviously week 12 versus Cleveland this week against Denver. It's another nice matchup. Denver is allowing the most, I'm sorry, Denver is allowing the ninth most rushing yards per game. Thoughts on ranking of Mixon for you? Yeah, so I hear you about Driscoll just being just the unknown is some nice fantasy, you know, a difference there. And, and Andy can stop sullying the Dalton name. Really, he was, there's just, we've seen what he can do. As for Joe Mixon, I have him as my running back 18. Denver's kind of like a run funnel defense because they're so good against the pass. I think they're top three uh, in DVOA. So teams do like attack them against the run. All that didn't work so great with mm-hmm. Connor last week. But but Mixon is, yeah, he's, he's a workhorse with not the greatest environment around him. But those are still a rarity. Actually, 18 is, is probably too low. I mean, he's an RB2 in my book. What do you think, Liz? Well, yeah, RB13. So I'm a little bit higher on him, go. but just outside my top 12 fantasy players at the position. I think Tyler Boyd is also interesting to discuss. He has been so much better with A.J. Green on the field in weeks two through eight. He had five top 15 fantasy finishes, three outings over 100 yards and five scores with A.J. Green off the field. Totally different story. So I think if anything, A.J. Green's presence boosts Tyler Boyd's and I have him ranked as my wide receiver 24 this week. Yep, um, so I'm a little bit more aggressive um, uh, on the matchups here. Chris Harris is tough. I said, mm-hmm. you know, that Denver has allowed the, the outside receivers for A.J. Green. 
He's been really tough. He's probably the toughest receiver in the slot. Sorry, cornerback in the slot. And that's where Boyd lines up when Green returns. Last week, Juju did have that big 97-yard play, but it was not against Harris in the slot. So I have uh, Boyd just a little bit further back at wide receiver 35. But mm. that's that's probably nitpicking. But um, I, I'm a little bit less 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 likely to use him this week based on that matchup. Okay, interesting. I'll take all that. I, I hope that the A.J. Green as a decoy possibility doesn't become too much of a reality because obviously Tyler Boyd is a true number two, right? He can't lead this offense. Right. Um, although, man, Jeff Driscoll really wanted C.J. Uzuma <laughs> to lead the offense last yeah. week. He drew 13 targets in week 12. That was his highest, obviously, of the season. Beyond that, 39 though, yards. Yeah. 39 yards. Or something. Yeah. yeah you converted can't use just six of them. Yeah. And more importantly, zero red zone looks. That's not great for a tight end. Yeah. He's outside my tight end one. If you're getting that amount of targets, it's hard to do. But yeah, you just, there's just no production there. Just no upside. So yeah. he's my tight end 18 this week. Oh, he's my tight end 17. So we're on the same page there. Um, the quarterback position as a whole right now has some question marks because Mitchell Trubisky might miss, I think is expected to miss, in fact, his second outing in a row. We obviously didn't play on Thanksgiving. It was Chase Daniels who won the game for the Bears. Um, he's still not practicing this Sunday. The Bears draw the Giants. It's a lot. It's a make or break week for a lot of fantasy players so what are your thoughts on Trubisky here and 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 would you because Nagy's scheme has been so QB friendly even dare rolling out Chase Daniel yeah I'll talk about the quarterbacks in general Daniel I have at number 23 the Giants are an inviting matchup they're 28th in pass defense DVOA but I think you can do better I think you're going to be a very conservative game plan and try to win with defense because the Bears just frankly have the best defense in the NFL right now so yeah they can't I looked at Winston's uh, ownership, just 54%. I was surprised it should be worth, it should be owned in far more than that. They're the Tampa Bay, the number two fantasy quarterback behind Patrick Mahomes this year. A nice matchup. Lamar Jackson's 45%. Case Keenum's 19%. I mean, that's a matchup at Cincinnati, 26th past events, DVOA, most fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. And if you're in far, you know, really deeper leagues, you want to go ugly, maybe Josh Rosen, but. Those are the names I came up with. What about yourself, Liz? So I have Chase Daniel at QB 23 as well. And just for reference, because I think sometimes we throw out these these rankings and people are like, well, what does that mean? Who in relation to what? So I have him right behind Derek Carr, who's facing the Chiefs, and ahead of Josh Rosen, who's at Green Bay. Funny. So right behind Daniel, I have Carr and and, Rosen two behind. Yeah, so right there. Okay. So we're about the same place. The interesting thing is that the Giants' pass rush has not been great. They've only managed 14 sacks so far on the season. And Daniel was pretty clean last week. He didn't turn the ball over at all. Um, so, I, And the Giants have given up four passing touchdowns and one rushing score to the quarterback position over their last three games. But I agree with you. I feel like this is just going to be a conservative matchup. Though you never know if Odell Beckham gets loose or something happens and Chase Daniel needs to play catch up you got to believe that Nagy will scheme things in order for him to do yeah. that and they have the weapons yeah. so which of the skill position players outside of Allen Robinson because I think when you look at Janoris Jenkins lack of efficiency this becomes an A-Rob game but out of outside of him are there any other of the skill position Chicago players that you're interested in rolling out yeah I so I actually moved Gabriel up I think he's going to line mm. up quite a bit with Jenkins actually and he's you look at the air yards you look at the targets so I actually moved him ahead of Allen maybe I'm crazy but it looks to me like he might line up even more against Jenkins so I have Gabriel right now ahead of Allen Robinson and he 
he's the guy that kind of jumps out, you know, the fantasy pros says the guy you have ranked higher than, than most. So I think normally a guy I'm actually down on this week. Uh, so I'd say Gabriel would, would definitely be the guy that jumps out for me. He's the guy I'm taking this week. And you think that Webb is going to cover A-Rob more? Yes, that, that's what I'm guessing. But I, it's just a guess. You never know. These things are complete inexact uh, science. But, um, but you know, so, so Gabriel's lined up 42% uh, looks like the, from the left side and Jenkins is lined up 82%, 86% on the right side. So if you go by that from the past, Gabriel should see the most snaps against Janoris Jenkins this week. I'm feeling optimistic about Trey Burton. I know that, you know, he's the eighth most productive fantasy player at the position overall, but he's been a disappointment over his yeah. last three oh, games, yeah. you know, for sure. And here's a really disappointing stat. Only 10 red zone looks on the entire season, but the Giants did just get skewered by Zach Ertz. Definitely a different player, used in a different way. But still, when you look at 91 yards and a score to the position in Week 12, it's hard to imagine that Trey Burton, especially with a backup quarterback looking for a potential security blanket over the middle, a nice big body, he should score a touchdown I have him on record to do four catches for 47 yards and a score. Any thoughts on Burton? I feel like every week we rank him inside the top 10 and then it's just like, well, does he score or not? Yeah, I'm with you. He's tight in 11 for me this week just because the position gets so ugly after that. So, yeah, he's a tight end one for me still. But I have a lot of shares of him. I paid up for him in auctions. Mm -hmm. I expected far more in that, you know, in that role, in that Travis Kelsey, uh, Travis Kelsey role. And is obviously disappointed which is so funny because the bears are succeeding so much as a team but mm -hmm. yeah disappointment season long but still at this point given the position you probably got to roll with them i agree all right so you mentioned lamar jackson and Jameis winston who were largely available in yahoo leagues i had winston down as well as someone who you could plug in maybe for the rest of the season if you're looking down the stretch fighting for that playoff spot. Um, his schedule is quite favorable over the next two weeks at least. He's versus Carolina and then versus New Orleans. But I'm surprised you didn't mention Baker Mayfield, who's owned in under 60% of leagues. I was really impressed by him last week. The matchup against Houston and at Houston this week, a little tougher. You got Clowney and Watt to deal with, though Scott Pianowski on Sunday Night Show didn't think that that was any great feat. I imagine that that's a rather big obstacle. But after that, versus Carolina at Denver and then in week 16 versus the Bengals, who are already making golf plans. Can you imagine what they're going to be thinking about in week 16? Oh, yeah, since Kitchens took over the uh, call in the plays there. I mean, seven touchdowns the last two games. YPA, what, 10.8 and then 9.9. .9. I just didn't even realize Mayfield was an option. He should be owned in all leagues. Um, not the greatest matchup this week, but, yeah, he, he looks like it. So I actually expected him to kind of blow up like this and take the league by storm right away. That obviously didn't happen for a variety of reasons. We blamed a possible ankle injury, but for whatever it is, he's healthy. That still doesn't mean Jarvis Landry. Use Jarvis Landry, no. by the way. But it does mean I I'm totally with you and Baker Mayfield. Easy QB1 down the stretch. I like Njoku a lot this week, too, even though he was ushered yes. into the end zone last week and some were calling it fluky. But I, I think he's his stock is certainly rising as yeah, well. Yeah, Houston, Houston, for what it's worth, is second to last in tight ends in DVOA. Next to, only the Raiders have been worse this year. So I'm with you there. Another fine stat. Let's talk about Melvin Gordon, because a lot of fantasy owners uh, who were riding high for the bulk of the season are now a little bit worried. He's officially out with a grade two MCL injury. He is expected back before the end of the season. So that's great for the Chargers, but maybe not so great for fantasy heads like you and me. Um, he's definitely going to be out this week against the Steelers. And then the Chargers are home for the Bengals in week 14, then at the Chiefs on a Thursday in week 15. So that's a quick turnaround and therefore makes it possible that we don't see Gordon again until week 
16. Yikes. Yeah, I was never a Melvin Gordon guy, but he's not only just taken advantage of the city, you know, just been a product of a good situation for fantasy owners like he has in the past with volume. He's been a really good real-life player this season as well. So this obviously a crushing blow to fantasy owners and the Chargers. You know, we, we talk about running backs being fungible, but it's not just really – sometimes it's getting overlooked, and, and he's been really, really good for them. Thankfully, they have an awesome backup, and hopefully fantasy owners do hmm. as well. You think in, so? In Austin Eckler. You think he's I, an awesome I, backup? I, I think he's going to be an awesome starter now. Yeah, why well, do you disagree? I, the more I dig into this, quote, character, Justin Jackson out of Northwestern, the more I am liking him. I don't think, listen, the matchup against the Steelers this week is not great, right? You don't beat the Steelers on the ground. You beat them through the air. So I think, if anything, if we're looking immediately at week 13, the absence of Gordon helps. Mike Williams, who's a red zone threat, and maybe there's some sneaky, annoying play action to Antonio Gates in the end zone for a score, because we know that that is certainly a song that Rivers has liked to play in the past. Oh, yeah. Actually, he is a sneaky play as well. I'm in on Eckler here. He's a second best yards per carry after contact. Really good receiver, man. I think he leads all running backs in yards throughout run. So I have him as a borderline top 15 uh, fantasy RB this week, even in that matchup. So you can talk me into Justin Jackson, who I'm, whom I admittedly have only just read up on. You know, the seventh rounder doesn't seem too exciting to me, but but certainly it's possible. So so well, let talk me do more it. about him. Let me do it. All right. So he is six feet tall, 195 pounds, not a huge frame, right? Though he is a little bit taller and a little bit thinner, let's say, than, than Eckler. It's interesting because these are players who do similar things, though Justin Jackson averaged 1,360 rushing yards per season in college. So there's a lot of wear and tear on those tires, but hey, we're not talking dynasty. We're talking 2018. Um, He also had a YPC of 4.7 in college. And if you want to talk versatility, averaged 30 receptions per season throughout his college career. An agile guy, like he crushed the three cone, 95th percentile for agility. Shifty player, likes to weave through traffic. Not as much power, definitely doesn't, you know, stand up to big tacklers, will go down fairly easily. But he still carried the ball seven times in week 12 to Eckler's five totes. Didn't see any targets through the air. We mentioned this on Sunday, which was interesting given that he has this skill on passing downs. But I feel like this week it's going to be whoever it's going to be, right? This week, there's probably going to be an even share. Clearly, the Chargers have shown a reluctance. We saw that in the game in London against Tennessee to just make Eckler a full every down back. I think that in week 14, when they play the bungles, as Brad Evans likes to say, Jackson is going to go off. He's going to break one big and it is going to be a hot hand situation and Jackson's job will be made that week. A lot of upside if one does take the job here, given that, I mean, Joey Bosa getting healthier, the defense, I mean, man, the team that's just been liking to run the ball. So I'm Team Eckler, but um, I, I love to see it. Can't wait to see what happens. And as you mentioned, some really, really prime matchups when it matters most here in the fantasy playoff. I have a lot of shares of Eckler. I have him ranked similarly to you, a little bit behind you, RB17 for week 13. And I only have Jackson as my RB46. But I'm interested and I am stashing Jackson because I, I also got to think about fresh legs and who's got them. And that is Jackson. And if someone's going to break a big play, I just feel like that is Jackson's money all over the place. And he's available in over 80 percent of leagues right now. 
Yeah, that should be a fun game Sunday night. L.A. traveling across to play mm. uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, that should definitely be one of the one of the best games this weekend. All right, so let's talk about year-end strategy a bit since we're essentially at the single elimination stage of the year and every week matters. Dalton, what's your strategy if you're in the playoffs? Yeah, I, I guess I would say I'm just taking this team-by-team, player-specific, case-by-case basis. If you want me to take an overarching general strategy here, I will say that I am pretty aggressive on matchups. Um, I know the whole defense doesn't matter thing, but um, it does matter as far as offense and, and game flow, mm-hmm. even if you do, even if you really agree with the defense thing. So as I've said earlier on this, you know, based on my, my ranking. So me personally, I am I, obviously to start your studs. I understand that if you have like a top whatever first round talent, whatever, fine. But I'd say that I'm pretty aggressive as far as uh, based on matchups. I, I sometimes move receivers 30 spots based on just matchup from one week to the next. Sure. Yeah. I think we all so do I guess, that. I mean, that's it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So then what, what, what about yourself then? Is it that, if, um, what about yourself? Do you have any, any unique aspect? I think in general, once you enter the playoffs, you have to decide whether or not you're going to be safe and stick with floor players or, or whether in your flex especially, you're willing to just throw it up. You know, go for the high ceiling plays. I will always go for the high ceiling play. I feel like when you're in the playoffs, unless you have an automatic buy, all or nothing, baby. You got to play like Frank Wright coaches. You got to play like Sean McVay coaches. If you play like Jason Garrett coaches, you're going to lose by a flipping field goal. Totally, totally makes sense. And yeah, we're playing for first place too. No one remembers second and all that. I, um, what about leads with buys? Do you, do you prefer those? Mm, that's a good question. I don't really care. I, I mean, I I feel like because I'm in so many leagues, I set a lineup every week anyway. So if I have a buy someplace, it's not like I'm not setting a bunch of other teams because I'm not I'm not good enough. Hey, I'm admitting this. I'm not good enough to have a first round buy in every single fantasy league that I'm in. But yeah, I mean, sure, there's a certain amount of protection. The Patriots yeah. certainly love it. And that works out well for for them statistically. Yeah, that's certainly the fairest format. And most most of the leagues that play and have those. But um, the other thing I'd say, I guess, is it's like looking ahead. The easiest uh, positions to do that would be quarterback and defenses. Um, and it's, again, league dependent. But in, but if you have the roster space, those are the two that I play the matchups by far the most. Speaking mm-hmm. of, I mean, before I was talking maybe like receiver and like cornerback trying to predict that. This more so just completely changing, you know, your starting quarterback week to week. and I, Or certainly defense. And that's something like, say, Tennessee. Last week, Tennessee was available in, in in plenty of in plenty of leagues out there, but now at home against the Jets this week, you had to do it, you know, a week before. So that's something right. to look ahead, two or three weeks down, you know, for the for the championship, even starting right now. That's a really good thought. I'm also looking at team records this time of year in a way that I think sometimes gets lost. Like when you think about last week, I really didn't think that the Panthers were going to drop three games in a row. They did, but. I also think when you you look at real life playoff races and what these teams have at stake and factor that into your rankings of the various players and how they're going to approach every game. Like I've heard rumors, for instance, that this week the Rams could be in a potential trap game, right? They're playing Detroit. Oh, this isn't if they're coming off by. There's a letdown after the historic Monday night outing. This could be a trap game. Are you kidding me? This is a potential Super Bowl team. They're that worried about Chicago? I just don't think so. Well, I hope you're right, Liz, because we actually use the Rams in the Super Contest that I'm in with, with Chris List, one of our five picks. Rams minus nine and a half. So I hope they do not take Detroit lightly. And man, this Detroit team is their defense is just uh, arguably the, the league's worst. I mean, they're just, they're really one of the, one of the dregs, one of the doormats right now. 
We reached out to our followers on social media and asked them this last week before the playoffs, which on the bubble starter do you need a monster game from? And they went ahead and added us. Don't add me, bro. Mike Y says he needs a big game out of Gerald Everett. Oh, that's kind of a fringy player to need a big game out of. Hey, in this week's breakout, um, in this week's uh, booms, busts, and breakouts column, I, I did use him as my long shot. You know, he has three touchdowns over his last two games. Obviously, no Cooper Cup. Thinking Darius Slay may shadow Brandon Cooks. Detroit's been getting killed against the tight end. So, hey, I, I'm with you here because I, I went with him in this column. So, yeah, I hear you. This is kind of a long shot, and, and you're you're kind of desperate here. My worry is that the Rams are going to run a lot. Todd Gurley's assumedly healthy, coming sure. off of a bye. Detroit's run defense is real bad. I just don't feel like there's going to be a ton of passing in this game. And I know that everybody thinks that the Lions pass, but here's a fun fact. Matt Stafford has been sacked 19 times over his last four games, and the Rams sacked Mahomes three times in that Monday night game. So is Matt Stafford going to get the ball out fast enough or enough times to even make this a contest? Yeah, interesting setup here in the Rams are like the fastest paced team in the league and the Lions are the slowest, but it could get ugly. This Lions team really is ugly as uh, I mean, they're bad. Definitely maybe one of the worst. So I hear you. There's some concern there. But again, Detroit, 26th ranked uh, DVOA against tight ends. I like the matchup, but this is more of if you're too tight end or really deeper mm-hmm. league here setup. here. I mean, this is obviously... Yeah, yeah, loving using Everett in a must-win situation here. Willie Lloyd needs a big game out of James White. Oh, I think that the window on that is closed a little bit. How about you? Possibly. I definitely aggressively ranked Sony Michelle this week, even though Minnesota probably is a top-five run D. James White hasn't scored in back-to-back weeks, but he totaled five over his previous three. So I could see him hitting Paydirt again this week. I hear you, though. It's not great. And, and certainly his fantasy value, maybe more so than anyone in the league, has taken a tumble over the last two, three weeks. Well, you got Gronk back. You got Edelman back. And now Burkhead's practicing. I mean, I just feel yeah. like everything that James White had been doing was because of attrition at other positions. And now those are filled. So why lean on a guy who's not built to be in every down back? Yeah, no, he's training in the wrong direction, definitely. Definitely not the greatest start this week. Not ideal, especially in that matchup. The Kingslayer needs Corey Davis. Here's an interesting player. I feel like this is a player that you and I talked a lot about over the summer, right? We were high on him, and then we were low on them, and then he didn't do anything. But then the Philadelphia game happened, and we thought that this Titans offense was rounding into form, and then Mariota hurt his elbow game. Oh, it's been all over the place. And then Corey Davis did end up scoring in that game against Houston last week, so... Uh, the Davis roller coaster continues. Yeah, I, I really like I like Corey Davis. I mean, you just look at him, and he just seemingly faced a top shutdown cornerback every other week, and he's still top twenty five in yards per per route run this season. Uh, I uh, the quarterback situation hasn't always been ideal either, so he passes the eye test watching him. So um, I have him ranked aggressively this week. I think I have him as my wide receiver sixteen. So. So we'll see. Um, we'll see. I, I, I'm in on Corey Davis, and I expect a big week from him. He is going to see, expectedly, a lot of Morris Claiborne. You like the matchup against the Jets. So that's pretty good. Claiborne gave up three targets for three catches and 67 yards, mostly in the coverage of Julian Edelman last week. So I like the matchup, but again, a lot is dependent on 
this, I mean, this game could just turn into an absolute yeah. fest. It's just so unappealing, but you know, anything can happen. So I, I, I have him as my wide receiver 25. So I think we're both in the wide receiver two range, just, well, depending on your league size and, and how bullish you need him to be, I guess, is the, is the difference between the two of us. Do like his future, though, either way, really much. Mm-hmm. But I'm with you that it could get ugly this game. And I think Deion Lewis is a sneaky play because he's been really ugly. And that could be like a contrarian, low ownership DFS play. And maybe Derrick Henry, if you're desperate for a, you know, a flex, I could see him getting a touchdown in this setup. Sure. I like Quincy Inunua in this game, too. Oh, me too. Me too. Yeah, no, his matchup is really good this week. I like Inunua for sure. And Definitely he's really produced. He's produced yes. with McCown under center, and McCown will be under center again this week. So I, I think he's yeah. a sneaky play. If my guy Robbie Anderson can catch a long one, I like him too in, in long shot. But I'm with you. Noon was a safe play. I like. I mean, a safer play in PPR. I like him too. Tragic Bronson. I like that one. He needs Marquez Valdez Scantling. I feel like you started the MVS nickname. I don't know if you did for sure, but I feel like you were the one who started it on the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. I highly doubt that, but I'll take credit for it. Um, so I use, I, speaking of that aforementioned booms, busts, and breakouts, I used him as well as my boom this week. And man, he's only $12 in the, in the DFS in our game this week. So here's my thinking is Patrick, Patter, Patrick Peterson has been totally shadowing this season. I think he's going to cover mm-hmm. Devontae Adams this week. And David Amerson should, should leave him on MBS. And Amerson's allowed a league high in fantasy points per pass route this season. I just kind of like MVS's talent. I think he's ready to bust out. Obviously, Aaron Jones is the guy to play in this in this game. But for a long shot, I'm totally on board with this for, for this week's play. It's tough, man. The last two games, one know, catch a piece. Oh. Yikes. I know. I know. It's been bad. And I don't really care if Cobb comes back or not. I know the one game that Cobb missed actually hurt MVS because he moved in the slot with mm-hmm. Seattle's much better. This week, it doesn't. it's not as dependent upon the opponent. So I think it's fine either way. But I know it seems crazy because, uh, I, I mean, certainly he's been a dud lately. So I'm, I'm certainly probably in the minority here. Well, I, I really liked Equ- Equinemius St. Brown coming into this season. I liked him out of Notre Dame as a, a rookie prospect. But he did a couple of things. You know, he looked good. He didn't score or anything, but he was at least involved. So it'll be interesting to see whether his rapport with Aaron Rodgers, which I don't think has been that great. I think Rodgers seems to just like MBS more, frankly, um, or or they have better chemistry. But it'll be interesting to see how Equinemius St. Brown figures into this whole offense. He's not a fantasy starter right now, but he is someone that I think fantasy heads should keep an eye on because I believe his future could be quite bright. Yeah, who knows how they'll play the young guys, I mean, with their season effectively over, too. Right, I mean, maybe see what they've got. Something to take into account down the stretch, yeah. Matt Bonjour needs a big week out of Cortland Sutton. Oh, that's an interesting name. Someone we thought might break out a bit sooner. Yeah, so for whatever it's worth, the Bengals have actually held perimeter receivers to the third fewest fantasy points over the last month. So, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is a preferred play here, but that's probably obvious regardless of opponent. Like Sutton, um, his talent uh, player moving forward, but I could definitely see... I can see Denver just suffocating with their defense and winning that way. So don't love, love the matchup here. Um, what are your thoughts, Liz? Depending on Case Keenum to get stuff done has been a bit of a headache. And I feel like Philip Lindsay is just looking so good that he is the heartbeat of this offense. And now they lost their tight end, Jeff Hireman, who was on the down Loza two weeks in a row. I, I think Matt LaCrosse. Is there effective Lacoste? Lacoste, Matt Lacoste. Oh, wait, wait, wait. He will. Sl- spoiler alert: Be on the uh, my deep sleepers piece this week because you know Case Keenum has shown that he gets schwitzy and he starts to n- get nervous, and so he needs a big body to to help him along. 
Yeah, I like that call. Let me let me be clear when I say bad matchup. I'm just saying as far as on the perimeter, and that's just been the, lately. Otherwise, yeah, you want to play the Bengals. Lacoste, I like that as a sleeper tight end. I feel like our producer who's a Broncos fan wants to say something. You're itching. Uh, speaking of Schwitzy, there's a rumor out today that the Broncos are bringing in the Peter man for a workout. <gasps> soon. So I'm, oh, I'm, man. I'm not feeling good. A collusion. <laughs> Did I say that? Like collusion. No. Yeah. All right. So we talked about various players that need big weeks to help some of our followers make it to the playoffs. And Brad Evans and Andy Barons are also going to talk about players that they think could help other fantasy owners do that in this week's Rock'em Sock'em Ranks. All right, time for another thrilling edition of Rock'em Sock'em Ranks. I know pressure is on high. It is so intense that uh, people are pooping diamonds, I believe, right now, <laughs> uh, knowing that they're straddling the fence of whether they get in or out of the playoffs, Barons. Um, I'm four and three uh, in the season series in this little exercise. I yeah, did this, is, this is the win. only competition that anybody in the fantasy industry is talking about either. It's really it's really taking the entire industry by, by storm. Our head to head midseason podcast competition. I'm I'm coming for you this week. I feel really good about this. Hey, I've been saying I'm going to come for you in the uh, fantasy football live DFS competition. You and Tank Williams for weeks and. <laughs> I'm just trying to stab off uh, the random users uh, so to prevent a basement finish uh, going from what was I last year? I think I won it. I won it two years ago. The users actually won it last year. <laughs> yeah, I folded like a like a cheap suit in the final weeks last year. I had that thing too. the users. The users claimed it. Good well, for them. you're not folding like a cheap suit uh, like I am in the team Wavos Invitational after losing my second quarterback as is a super flex league and Melvin Gordon the same week. I'm the two seed. I beat you the one seed, your first loss of the season. Well, uh, let's just point out that you beat me in a week when Todd Gurley, Patrick Mahomes, maybe Brandon Cooks. Like I, I got I got hit by the Rams Chiefs by, but I have I have a pretty I have a pretty strong roster in that league. Uh, you have the sickest roster in that <laughs> league, and there is no shot in hell that I will reach even the next Next round of the playoffs in week 15 uh, due to just the, the the pile of manure that I have right now in my couple of flex positions. So. Yeah, but you can still win the Rock'em Sock'em Challenge, so all is good. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no money involved there, <laughs> though. We should have some side bet action. All right, let's get down to it. Nobody cares about our individual fantasy teams anyway. Uh, let's start off with Dak Prescott uh, drawing the New Orleans Saints in a marquee matchup on Thursday night should be a fun filled statistical affair on both sides of the ball. I have Dak at QB six this week. You have him as a barely a fringe starter in 12 team leagues at QB 12, the over under 52 and a half according to bet online Barons. Uh, why? Why are you so bearish? See, that's just the thing. This isn't exactly bearish. Um, I've ranked him as a viable QB1. His matchup is obviously great. I will concede that point. It just happens to be a deep position loaded with favorable matchups. Um, guys having historic seasons, uh, right? right? Roethlisberger, Mahomes, Goff, and so on. Like, it's just a hard position to crack the top eight in my ranks or in any, you know, reasonable fantasy analyst ranks uh but i got nothing bad to say about dak he has rushing touchdowns in like five of his last six games i suppose if i have a complaint at all it would be pass volume he doesn't have more than 36 attempts in any game this season 
Uh, no more than two touchdowns passing, no 300 yard games, right? Like the passing stats are never there, but there's a huge rushing floor here. I don't mind him, but again, the, the position is just like historically, uh, crazy right now. So, uh, I'm just not going to stick him as a, as an obvious top six, top eight QB one. Well, I am somebody that does order away from the menu or off <laughs> the menu, Barron's. I, I will from go the with secret the menu. Yes. I'll go with either the secret menu or the chef special which is not listed in, in many restaurants. I love Dak Prescott this week. Uh, you got to look what he's done here the last uh, several games since week eight, the eighth most valuable quarterback in fantasy land. And the Saints, yeah, they've made some improvements across the board. I tip uh, my cap to Sean Payton and company, but they're still overly generous through the air defensively. They've allowed 8.4 yards per attempt, well over 300 yards per game, uh, right around two passing touchdowns per game. I got Dak down for 276, two passing touchdowns, over 30 rushing and a rushing TD, and I'm already on record for saying this, and I'm sticking to my guns. Come at me. Don't at me, bro. At Yahoo Noise on Twitter when I get this terribly, horribly wrong, but I think the Cowboys win this game straight up. Oh, yeah. Okay. Could happen. I like that prediction a lot more than I like Dak as a surefire top six fantasy quarterback. Don't ruin this for me, Barons. I only have Dak left in the Team Huevos Invitational. <laughs> That's it. That's all I got. All right. Uh, let's move on to the running back position. Dalvin Cook, a lot of disparity in the entire fantasy community about what his worth is, not only this week, but rest of season. Uh, one of the bigger disappointments in fantasy land this season due to uh, ongoing hamstring issues, but... He's 100% healed. He's off his first touchdown and eons uh, that he scored last week. And he gets a New England Patriots in a game with an over under 48 and a half. Uh, you're at RB 14 on Dalvin. I'm at RB 22. You have the floor. Yeah, I mean, this is fairly simple. He's a featured back tied to a loaded offense. He's getting healthier, obviously, the touchdown last week. Uh, it is true that he was out carried by one attempt by Latavius Murray last week, but that was that was strictly game flow. They, they entered kind of a run out the clock phase of that game. He is clearly running ahead of Murray uh, when it's competitive. He's catching three or four balls per game right now. And New England just could not be more league average against the run. They're at about four and a half yards per carry. Uh, I don't see this as a game where the Patriots run away from the Vikings at all. The Vikings are really good. Uh, so I think the run plays, the run is in play all day. Uh, and I think it's a good one for Cook. I think his workload only trends up from here. If you take the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee view, and it's the full body of work, you're right. New England is accommodating to opposing plowshares. But over the last five weeks to the running back position, the Patriots have given up the ninth fewest fantasy points, 3.76 yards per carry, just four total touchdowns, and 126 total yards per game. You mentioned Latavius Murray, the specter in the room. Who's just, you know, he's he's looming around all the time and is a guy that will be called on uh, throughout the entire game. So reduces the volume for Dalvin Cook. I think he's got to score early uh, to justify your top 14 ranking. I think he's more of a back end RB2 this week. Again, in a week with no buys, a lot of great matchups at the running back position. Can we well. can we just mention who the Patriots have played uh, during uh, that no, smaller No, no, we really sample. don't have to. Because <laughs> it's like the Jets and the yeah. Titans and the Bills. And I mean, it's not great. No, it's not the greatest, but uh, I, I'm still just a, a little bit down on Dalvin Cook. You know, I could see maybe 70 total yards and a touchdown. That's probably honestly, uh, knowing that the cupboard is full of options, probably a, a borderline RB2 in week 13. So uh, it's not a bad 70, game. 
70 yards and a touchdown probably means I'm right. That's that's probably in the teens right there. Uh, We will find out in short order. Let's go to the wide receiver position, and we're going deep. So deep, it's probably going to put your butt to sleep, Baron. Um, (laughs) And it's Curtis Samuel of the Carolina Panthers. Now, uh, we're not suggesting he's a windmill slam dunk start by any stretch of the imagination. I'm at wide receiver 34, so at the very back end of the wide receiver three class in 12-team leagues, you're on the outside of that. Maybe you would consider him in a flex option in a 14-team or deeper league. You have him at wide receiver 41. Delightful matchup. Magnificent matchup. Going against Tampa Bay the last time he faced this defense, a pair of touchdowns. So explain yourself with a 41 rank. You know, I appreciate a great matchup as much as anyone else. Like, I, I actually, I may end up starting Curtis Samuel in uh, a handful of DFS formats because he's a near minimum price. But um, he had he had three touches last week. He has no more than five touches in any game. The workload just simply hasn't been there. Um, the workload doesn't support a wide receiver two, wide receiver three rank. Tell me how he's going to convert this week's three touches into 120 yards and two touchdowns. I go for it. I yield uh, the rest I, of my time. Well, I mean, it, look, this is a shot in the dark, admittedly. You know, Tampa Bay, it is a, a very friendly match. The Buccaneers giving up the fourth uh, most fantasy points to the wide receiver position this season. Uh, I think the target share is going to be more substantial than we've seen before, assuming that he is on the field. Uh, he's dealing, I believe, with a hamstring injury. Yeah. So, it's, uh, again, assuming it's all systems go for Samuel. I think it's going to be a five to seven target game. Uh, I think that it's, you know, justifiable that he gets you 40 to 50 uh, receiving yards, maybe sweetens the pot a little bit with 10 or 15 rush yards because they like to use him in a similar capacity as DJ Moore and some of those end around plays. Uh, and I think he finds the end zone. I mean, the over under is the highest on the board this week at 56. So this game has got massive shootout appeal, and it may be you know, a race to 35 in terms of who scores the victory. It is going to be a really fun game. It's going to be a super high-scoring game. I think Samuel, again, definitely on the DFS radar. Not somebody I'm going to start in a must-win week in season long. Can we bring back Fitzmagic? I, I could really use no, him in the way of those invitations. No, no, we must not. I need Jameis Winston in <laughs> I'm still bitter about that because I have a glorious Fitzmagic T-shirt that I want to break out again with him from the <laughs> from the now uh, memorable press conference. But uh, he was going like old 70s, old school uh, or Russian drug lord tracksuit style. I, I want to see that look again. I want that swagger back. I'm just so disappointed Ryan Fitzpatrick's no longer a thing. Yeah, I hear you. He'll, he'll resurface, though, somewhere, someday. Yeah, hopefully so. And hopefully uh, sooner rather than later for my well-being in a high-stakes experts league. But again, nobody gives two bleeps about on this podcast. All right, it's a wrap on this edition of Rock'em Sock'em Ranks. Loza, back to you. Fine stuff, gentlemen. Always very interesting. Dalton, we haven't talked about, we did talk about Black Friday and bargains, but we haven't talked about DFS bargains yet. And what's an episode of the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast available on Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to podcasts? Spotify. Without. Stitcher. Without a little DFS chat, I want to talk about Kenny Galladay. Hey, big surprise. For whatever reason, the pricing still hasn't caught up. He's only $21. I know I said that the Lions are going to probably tank this one and might not be able to get the ball out. But when you look at Galladay's targets and opportunities, 
they're all going to go his way. There's no Carrion Johnson, no Marvin Jones. Golden Tate's obviously in Philly. And had did you know, Dalton, that since week 10, Galladay has averaged 11.6 targets per game and six receptions per game. He's drawn five red zone targets, scored two touchdowns, gone over 75 yards each week for three weeks straight. $21? I think that's a great price. Oh, I mean, I talk about him seemingly every week. Totally agree. And hopefully his owners are hoping at least to keep to leave sits out one more week and more, see more Marcus Peters. Totally with you on Kenny G. My bargain on the same game on the flip side, Josh Reynolds, $15. Detroit enters sporting the 31st ranked pass defense DVOA. Thinking Darius Slay will be on Brandon Cooks. Obviously no Cooper Cup. Robert Woods has moved to the slot, leaving Reynolds. Either it doesn't matter, the slot or, or the outside. Reynolds is, I mean, the Lions is getting, getting burned all season. Just $15. And he's my wide receiver for 18. Mm-hmm. I went aggressive with Reynolds this week. So uh, one more I'll throw at you here. Uh, Aaron Jones, normally go with super cheap guys, but at $26, this is definitely a bargain. I mean, Arizona's allowed the most fantasy points to running back season. Got to like the game flow as 14 point favorites. Aaron Jones has allowed, a, I'm sorry, he's gotten a silly 7.4 yards per carry at home this season. He's vastly improved as a blocker. He's my RB5 this week Woo! ahead of even Saquon Barkley. Ahead of even Saquon Barkley. So, yeah, so 26 bucks. I mean, he's a must-start in DFS. You, uh, he's my RB5 on the week as well. That's why I gave you a little woo. And last week, nice. we talked up Saquon Barkley at only 30 bucks. I played him in our Fantasy Football Live uh, little guru matchup, and it worked out quite well. So I, I like Aaron Jones for $26. Again, one quick fun fact about Josh Reynolds. He was on last week's episode of Mostly Football, and he and I were chatting. Martellus Bennett asked him, so, you know, as a backup player coming in, to replace Cooper Cup in the offense. What did you do about your rapport with Jared Goff? I mean, you were taking more reps with Mannion or the backup there. Like, how did that happen? And Josh Reynolds with a straight face, and he's a wonderful young man. I totally enjoyed him. He said, well, I'm so long. It doesn't really matter. Isn't that baller? (laughs) Isn't that just straight? Like, to be like, you know what? I'm basically Marvin Jones 2.0, so I can high point. I don't need great rapport. And I bought it, yeah, and he showed it, you know? Like it. So I, I think Josh Reynolds like at 15 is a great buy as well. He's coming on and has been a starter. He was so good at Texas A&M as well. So I, I like that he's gotten his opportunities, and he's certainly shined when he's had them. I just worry in this matchup that we're going to have a lot of Todd Gurley and not as much passing, which is why my fade this week is Jared Goff, who is priced at $37. Yikes! No, thank you. Not when Jameis Winston, who we've talked about ad nauseum, is $29 versus Carolina, who, and we talked about Carolina dropping three games in a row, backs against the wall. Cam Newton has to make things happen. This should be a ping pong match. Goff's my number two quarterback this week, but I totally agree with you. Just do not pay for the position. I mean, I I use Winston in our optimal DFS lineups deal that we do. So I'm totally, totally with you there. My fade is Nick Chubb at $29. He's a superstar already. He easily leads the NFL in elusive rating, breakaway percentage, and yards per carry after contact. But But. I worry about the game flow in this game. And he's still improving as a receiver. Definitely encouraging. But he still hasn't seen more than three targets in a game. And Houston has the number two run defense DVOA. Mm -hmm. Aaron Jones is $3 cheaper. So just for this week, uh, I'm sitting Nick Chubb in DFS. I'm fading. 
All good points, Dalton. Always good points, Dalton. Thank you for another episode with me. You can follow us on Twitter and submit your questions to at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That's Dalton Del Don. Win big. We out until Sunday night with Matt and Scott. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.